Welcome to Grief Recovery Now podcast. I'm your host, Charlene Gorzella, your grief recovery specialist. This podcast is being produced just for you, someone who has been challenged and heartbroken over a significant and devastating loss, death, divorce, sudden life change, or the many other ways we experience grief. You will be taken on a conversational journey with me and some special guests who have come out the other side of grief and committed to small, powerful, and courageous steps that made all the difference in their lives for the better. I want to instill in you on what is possible, that joy, hope, peace, and happiness is closer than you think. While your life is forever changed, you can have a beautiful new outlook on your relationships and loss with a sense of completion that goes deep in your soul. Ready, set, now. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Charlene Borzella here, your host for Grief Recovery Now podcast. It is such an honor and a privilege that you're here today. I have to tell you, you are part of my purpose in life. Many of you know who are listeners know that I'm a grief recovery specialist, and that's just part of my purpose in life. And I'm on this podcast to just spread the word and just let you know that you, the listener, who's ever in... You could be in the most devastating grief of your life where you can't get out of bed, or you can be having a good, good life that is moving and grooving, but something's up with you. You feel like there's some parts of your life that aren't working or things are coming up, memories from childhood, parents, maybe some circumstances where there was abuse involved or things that are coming up in your life that you're wondering you're just perplexed. Why isn't this part of my life working? There could be a possibility that you may have some unresolved grief, some incomplete grief, some things you have to work through and recover through to get to the other side, to live the life of your wildest dreams. That's why I'm here for you, wherever you are in the world. So what I do with the podcast is just let you know that you can have joy, you can have peace, you can have fulfillment. You can live a life that works. So before any podcast, when I introduce my guest, I just talk about a couple of things that are happening or some observations of mine or, you know, current events. By the time this podcast is posted and live, we are going to be in the holiday season. And I thought, what is a better time to talk about the holidays and mixed emotions that come up during the holidays. And me being in the grief space, I was thinking about our listeners and the world at large. I don't care what holiday you're in around the world, because people listen to the podcast from around the world. I've got some hits that one time in Afghanistan, I've had it in Finland, I've had it in Sweden, New Zealand, Canada. It's just amazing how many people have listened to this podcast. So whatever holiday you're in, and I think this is a holiday season, typically around the world, there's some activity going on. We have Christmas, we have the Jewish holidays, we have Thanksgiving, there's so many. And just take your pick what's going on on your part in your part of the world. So in the hustle and bustle of the holidays can provoke many different emotions. If it is joy, excitement, grief, stress, anxiety, shame, or guilt, the mixed emotions can be overwhelming. I know that has happened in my life. It's happening now. I've had a lot of changes in my life lately. My boyfriend and I are cohabitating. We have, we're commingling animals. I have Thanksgiving every year. And I'm wondering, 
I want to have Thanksgiving. Should I have Thanksgiving? A dog is in one room. A cat is in another room. And then another cat is in another room. How are we going to do it? Should we have it? I know these are minor challenges that can be happening, but it's still a little overwhelming. Plus, I have a tradition. You know, we can talk about grief and traditions. Changes happen. You know, every year for me, the holidays are different emotionally. Who are who's in my life at the time? Nowadays, people are all over the world. And with COVID thrown in, people are questioning, should I travel? Shouldn't I travel? Just recently this week, and we're in November, they just opened up in Europe. So there is a lot of beautiful things happening. People are being reconnected physically. So even with that, it could be a real joyful occasion, but with the mixed emotions, there could be grief, dread, conversations that you didn't have to talk about while you were apart. But when you are together, maybe there's things on your mind you'd like to speak about but not sure how to talk about it in a loving, kind ways, in a constructive way. And so it could be all kinds of things, new addition to the family. We're going to talk today about estrangement. There's estrangement during holidays, and it's never so prevalent than in the holidays about estrangements in friendships, especially family. So I thought, what can we talk about today? How we can you know, make the holidays a little brighter. I'm not saying squelch what's going on because whatever's going up needs to be looked at. And this is what we talk about in grief recovery and what we work with, the unresolved to help you get resolved, the incomplete to help you get complete. But if there's things are happening now and there's not a solution and you're not working with someone like myself or our podcast guest today, Candace Pollack, that, you know, what can you do today? What kind of tools can you use? One of the things I thought about, I said, what about a gratitude list? Just talk about what do you like about the holidays? What traditions did you like on the holidays? What can you create in the holidays? Even if you're by yourself. I have a lot of single friends, male and female. I have people in couplehood. I have friends who are getting a divorce right now. So, so many things are happening. As I said, every holiday can be a little different or has a little different twist to it in our relationships. So I would say another thing, um, prioritize your time and energy. What do you want to say yes to? What do you want to say no to? Maybe when someone asks you to go somewhere or show up for something, just say, hey, can I get back to you? Just take a pause. This is a good time to pause when having to answer questions on invitations because we can get multiple invitations. Or if we don't have any invitations, how can we create something that's memorable? We can go to a homeless shelter. We can look where they may need some volunteers. I know myself when I feel down or low or feeling quite out of sorts, sometimes when I could just be of service to someone or a group of people, whenever I do that, I feel a sense of fullness and a sense of service and contribution, which is one of our human needs is contribution. So if you haven't contributed in some way because you're so immersed in your pain or thoughts or worries, go out and call a friend who may need some help or just need, hey, I heard you went through a diagnosis that wasn't favorable. Could be anything. Just say, I heard, I was just wondering how you're doing. And that's all you have to say. Or as I said before, volunteer somewhere. And also I meditate. So I just get quiet and you don't have to just have no sound. Go on Google. That's one of my favorite things to do and find meditation. You know, it could be a five minute meditation. Just say five minute meditation 
on Google. Or if you want it for specific, you can do five-minute meditation on grief. You can do five-minute meditation on prosperity. Maybe you're having some financial issues or you've gone through a huge loss financially or you just left a job where it was your identity. You can find anything on Google. So please just do it. And then it could be five minute, 10 minute, half hour, whatever you want. And you can explore it. And it's a whole new world. At least it was for me many years ago. I love it. And again, try to slow down, slow down and take care of yourself. That is so important. And there's many other ways. So seek it out. And I wish you the happy holidays, no matter what it looks like. And again, thank you so much for listening to the podcast. And now we're going to our guest portion of the podcast. Her name is Candace Pollack. She is a founder of and coach with the Internationality Gurus and Advisors Institute. Her joy is finding and sharing evidence-based tools to reveal the hidden iceberg of factors that drive thoughts, feelings, and behaviors so clients can grow their inner guru to turn their untapped potential into strategic impact. Candace is a colleague of mine as an advanced grief recovery specialist. Most people who become grief recovery specialists have had their own losses and found a solution to commit to their grief recovery through the internationally known Grief Recovery Institute, who created the evidence-based program called the Grief Recovery Method. I have to tell you, the people I've met at the Grief Recovery Institute have been such a gift. I got certified. Then I became an advanced grief recovery specialist because of COVID. Then I to go online one-on-one. And then I got certified again to do group. Now I'm doing one that is helping children with loss. And then there's animals, there's everything. And the people, the only people I could see being interested in this kind of mission in life and to become a specialist who have experienced themselves and who want to serve and help others. And I believe in the peer-to-peer model. Even though we are specialists, we all have gone through some grief, devastating. Most of the time, big losses. Those are devastating and heartbreaking. So I believe in going from heartbreak to heartbreak through. So help me welcome Candace Pollack. Thank you, Candace, for coming on the show today. It's such a pleasure to be here, Shirley. Yeah, so we met at a certification And now we're in a group because we were doing some after work. And I have to tell you, meeting you is such a delight. And I had to have you on the show. And one of the reasons, one of what motivated me to have you on the show today, it was about estrangement. You are an attorney and you deal with estate planning and wills and other things. And we we had talked about estrangement, how that is not necessarily brought up in the grief space. But before we get involved, talking about that, I would love to hear about you and how you got involved with the grief recovery method and became a grief, advanced grief recovery specialist. So it's what it's like, what happened, and what it's like now, as we had discussed earlier. So I think to best describe my story, I deal with the issues of death and dying a lot in my law practice. I've been elder law attorney, estate planning attorney. And I also do a lot of pro bono work for a nonprofit organization that provides services for families touched by cancer. So I'm I'm always dealing with these issues, but it's one thing to be the professional and have some kind of emotional distance from it, something else when your husband dies. And so my husband was much older than I. He was tip-top shape. He 
started to have a few symptoms, had them checked out, and then got a really bad diagnosis. And he was gone like six weeks later. So there wasn't a lot of time to really plan or think about those things. And I got stopped in my tracks. I All of that training, all of that experience, all those years didn't prepare me for a loss. So it, it, it really brought home to me how personal grief is and that we have to be gentle with ourselves. That was a lesson I learned much later. So I struggled with it on my own. I didn't know about the grief recovery method at the time. And I didn't have time for grief support groups through some of the traditional channels. And I'm self-employed. I had to keep working, taking care of my clients. So my way of dealing with things is I would go to work. I'd work all day. Work has always been the place where I've sublimated my uncomfortable emotions, grief and otherwise. I would get ready for bed. I'd have two Klondikes, brush my teeth, climb into bed, and binge watch Law and Order all night long until I finally fell asleep for maybe a half an hour. Get up, repeat that for months and months. And that was not effective, as you could imagine. I, I believe that we are either pushed by pain or pulled by a vision. Were you pushed by pain to seek out grief recovery and just a relief from what's going on? How did you get introduced to the grief recovery method? I was introduced to it by happen chance. So there's an organization nearby that offers a lot of free programs, um, you know, mindfulness to yoga and so on. Some of them are for pay, but this happened to be a, a talk that Lois Hall and John James did about grief recovery. And it was just maybe for an hour introducing the concept. And I attended. I, I don't know why. I, I was thinking of it not for myself, actually, at the time, because this is now two and a half years after my husband died. And I was suffering this whole time, but I just assumed that's what I needed to do. Didn't quite understand why I was different than other people that just kind of, you know, after a few months, they kind of get back in the saddle and so on. But, you know, I didn't know about grief at that point. So I attended the program and I realized I need to do this. And because I'm also a certified coach, I recognized that I could also get certified in it. So that made me engage in a, maybe I think a more visceral way, not just my heart for myself, but also my head for my clients. And I got certified and I started to apply the concepts. And ironically, the first relationship, the loss that I completed was not regarding my husband, but it reinforces the point that we're coming into grief with maybe some of our past unresolved grief to process and so on. So it was during that phase that I started to feel relief for the first time. It still took some time, uh, but now I understood it better and that it isn't something I can think my way through because, you know, I rely on my brain for my work. If I if it's not functioning at a tip-top manner or if it's constantly consumed with just the angst of having lost somebody, then it's suffering uh, with capital letters. So some, much of that pain part, the suffering part, went away. And eventually I was able to find some relief in, in that regard. And I was committed to making that available to other people. What happened to you? Like afterwards, I had a friend who went through the grief recovery. We both got certified together and she did her mother, right? Who she hated. And you don't have to do the grief recovery method because you hate someone, right? right. It's, they just had a traumatic, abusive relationship and she did it. And months later, right, she put her mother's picture on the mantle 
And it was like her subconscious, it healed her subconscious. And so she couldn't believe that she put it up there. And it isn't like there's forgiveness and then there are significant statements and apologies that go through when you're going through grief recovery. But you learn about forgiveness. It's not condoning someone what they do. It's getting, it's um, because that forgiveness is not condoning. How did you get through? I don't know if you had any forgiveness space with your family or whoever you started with, with grief recovery now. How did you pick your person? It just kind of appeared to me going through our loss graphs and our relationship graphs. It became very clear to me the relationship I needed to work on. And, And that was my mother who had died a number of years before. And it was for me, what going through the grief recovery did was it helped me rather than to be thinking of things in black and white, which is how I kind of experienced it as from a child to, you know, young adult to older adult, I could see some of the nuances. So that whole apology and forgiveness and significant emotional statements exercise portion softened my heart and made me also more gracious towards myself. And, and that was part of the healing process there. And, and just being aware, because it, an analogy I use a lot is, you know, sometimes we can kind of automatically drive down the road and we don't notice a fork in the road that has always been there, but something calls our attention to it. And after that, we can always notice that there's a fork in the road and there's, that's a choice. And we can continue on the path that we've always taken, or we can periodically take the other route. And so with grief recovery, that's how it showed up for me that, you know, I can continue to have little issues regarding my mother. My sister, one time I, w- I called her to say, she pushes my, put- she pushed my buttons, she pushed my buttons. And my sister said, she, she installed them. She knows where they are. And I, I would feel guilty. <laughs> but um, the, the point is to be able to have that little pause where I can see that I have a choice in the matter. And knowing I have a choice ease some of the struggle that was associated with that loss. Yes. You change your reality. Yes, exactly. Your perspective. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that you forget them and throw them out of your life. It just sometimes makes it even fuller, whether they're alive or not alive, whether they're in your life or outside of your life, out of safety or, you know, emotionally Mm -hmm. and physically. It's so many things. So, oh, that's 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 a beautiful way to get in. And I, knowing you, what I love about you, there's a curiosity about you and you get involved in things, which I love. It's like you're a connector. You like to help others, even in this organization that you founded, the Intentionality, Intentionality. Rules and Advisors, Advisors Institute. It's all in your intention. How do you want to go forward in life? Exactly. Yeah. So which, which path do you want to take? It's all right. about that for me. Yeah. Are you, uh, do you want to take the road less traveled in your life? Like, Hey, I've been down this path. This is so familiar and it's painful. Get sick and tired of being sick and tired. Exactly. Either you're pushed by pain. You're like, here, let me be uh, an open slate. Let me be in the not or, knowing. Or the phrase I like to use is just practice curiosity. I, I mix my metaphor. So I, I engage in metaphor hash. But the idea is just trying on the jacket. We don't have to buy it. We can just try it on and see what it might look like. And um, so that part for me is fun. And and just to be interested in ideas. Yeah. And I had someone at, years ago, I was in therapy. And she said, Charlene, 
just because you try something and you decide not to do it doesn't mean you failed at it. Exactly. It's a choice. It means you made an effort. You decided it didn't fit. Right. I mean, you got to go through it, even though, you know, your brain is telling you, no, this isn't right. This isn't the right thing for me. Just I'm in right uh, Alcoholics Anonymous and they would tell people, go to six meetings, whether you're an Al-Anon, Alcoholics Anonymous or whatever support group, go to six meetings, try it on, but don't leave after the first one. Right. Because you can resist it. To try. Right. Yeah. I had this one um, guest and she's another grief recovery specialist. She had a horrendous childhood, cult, sexual abuse, drug addict for many years. She came in kicking and screaming because a friend said, you better do this program. So she just sat in the back. She was so defiant, but she said, I'm going to do the work. And I bet you it won't work. She goes, by by the end, she goes, oh my God, it works. (laughs) And no no matter how complicated you may think your grief is and your life is, you know, it breaks it down. This simplicity, which I think is just beautiful, step-by-step. And it it doesn't have to be an all or nothing because it, it can shave off some levels of the suffering. Yes. You know, and even that would be a relief in some respects. Now, how, what happened with, okay, your husband who I'm so sorry for your loss. That's a big one. Cause I know you've lost other people in your life, but this is an intimate relationship. And some of them just, I, I can't imagine going through a six week, you know, diagnosis to dying. how, how did you walk through that and all of a sudden wake up and get to the other side of grief with your husband? What do you think was that transformation? It was the grief recovery method because I didn't go into the grief recovery method until two and a half years later. And and just as an example, I was at a, a legal education conference, maybe about six months after he died. And I saw a colleague I hadn't seen in like a year or so. And he came up to me and he greeted me. We were, we were pretty good friends. And he said, you know, how are you doing? And I, I started to tear up immediately. And I said, oh, so-and-so, my husband died. I mean, it's on the tip of my tongue, top of my mind and everything. And that was at six months when a lot of people think you should have moved on. Mm-hmm. And I started to tear up, you know, be publicly um, emotional, which is something you don't do in my profession. And, but I got on the other side of that. Fast forward, a year goes by, I'm at the same event next year, another continuing education program, and I see him again, hey, you know, how are you doing? And so on. He says the same thing. And I say the same thing, because at that point, that pain was still as sensitive to me and tip of my tongue and the top of my mind. And he said, you told me that last year. And I was embarrassed. I I felt, oh my God, you know, what's what's wrong with me that I hadn't moved on? Because I consider myself intelligent person who insightful, you know, those kinds of things. And it's not something you can fix by thinking through it. Yeah. The intellect, you know, it's a broken heart, but I hadn't learned that lesson yet. I mean, I knew my heart was broken. I was trying to fix it by being rational, keeping, you know, busy, all of the silly stuff we do. Yeah. And these are learned coping mechanisms operating, not at your full capacity whatsoever, I'm sure. Intellectually, maybe, I don't know, but I'm sure it affected that. You wouldn't that. have known that from the outside. You would, everybody just assumed everything was okay. And that, that was hard. And, and, you know, fortunately I had an excellent right-hand person in the office, a godsend. But other than that, I, you know, I was on my own. So it wasn't that I was shut down the whole time. It's just that I would come home and I, my brain would just shut off and I would 
or was still wasn't sleeping well. I'm still all the acute grief suffering and so on. But eventually I started to come around and then I was doing some of the grief recovery and I'm still dealing with my clients. And I recognized that I could, I was noticing how much I had missed in terms of what people were telling me, missed in terms of their grief. So pre-grief recovery training, I interacted with clients, but I hadn't experienced to the same degree. I didn't have that many deaths in my family, quite frankly, as small of a family as we have. And then after the training, I could recognize how tone deaf I probably had been. And I became more and more aware of it, more dedicated to making sure that people knew this. And then ultimately, the the area that I'm really fascinated by or committed to is I started noticing how many of my clients had adult children who had estranged themselves from their parents. Mm. And it's such a difficult thing to address and adequately feel like you you can empathize with somebody if you haven't gone through it yourself. So anyway, I became more aware of that. And the sad part was that they didn't know they were grieving and they didn't know where to turn. You know, they often would turn to their religious leaders or some went through therapy and so on. And then one, with one couple in particular, I mentioned, I said they, they were, it was a couple of years after their daughter had declared that she didn't want to have them in her life anymore. And uh, the long and short of it is they were, they mentioned it to me and they were suffering. And at some point I said, you're grieving. And later they said, nobody had ever uttered that to them before. And just that knowledge that they were grieving somehow shifted some things for them. So the, the point is that started to make me more sensitive to how much estrangement there is out there. And it can be anything from mildly being guarded in a relationship me going through the motions, but not really having your heart in interacting. And the holidays are going to be a perfect opportunity to practice that for a lot of family members. Yes. And then the other end of the spectrum, which is being totally shut off or totally shutting off somebody. So there's the person who does the estrangement. And then there's the person who is estranged from them because of that. Right. And something in between. And what's interesting is like, just because we have people all over the world listening. So you deal with the estate planning, wills, and trust. What that is, is, can you say quickly, what is a will, which most countries I'm sure know what a will is, and what is estate planning? So estate planning is just knowing how, you know, what happens. It basically falls into two questions. When you're alive and not well, who has the authority to handle things for you? What's the scope of their authority and um, over your financial affairs and your health decisions. And then when you're gone, who gets your stuff and under what terms and conditions. So the powers of attorney and so on, healthcare power of attorney deal with during your disability and your will or possibly a trust and beneficiary designations are what happens to your, who gets it under what terms and conditions at your death. So with people that are estranged from family members, especially when it may be a child who, you know, in a small family who may be an agent under the estate plan, well, then who do you name if that person is going to be part of your life? Right. And then do you provide for them or not if they don't want it? The stuff that you want to leave for them. So it's, it's, it's hard for families to know what to do. And um, every day is a reminder that they're gone. Holidays are a particularly difficult time. The way it's been described to me, 
is that um, friends and family don't want to mention anything, what's good going on in their life or their excitement about this or that, because they're worried about triggering somebody's sadness about not being having that child in their life. And that's that's not the only scenario. I mean, there's there's a whole spectrum, as I said, of level of estrangement and then also who is doing the estranging. So, you know, there's each has their own narrative around that, their own reality. And I know you're doing something with the, with lawyers and estate planners and all that. You're trying to recognize. Yeah. So everybody can, you know, we can have that ripple effect so that we can be more sensitive as advisors, but also let people know about the grief recovery method because it's the only evidence-based grief recovery program out there. And you know me and my penchant for evidence-based programs. <laughs> Being a lawyer and all. Well, I just love the evidence-based programs because we know they work. they work. Yes. Yeah. I lost my parents very young. And even while I dated, I never fully committed to anyone because I was afraid that I was getting too close. It was too vulnerable for me until I did the grief recovery method. Now I'm in an awesome relationship, but like people are ghosted now. So you can, and even friendships during COVID, what I've noticed friendships have changed. Like I had friends that I didn't talk to for almost the whole COVID. So well, it's I was an like, interesting what does that phenomenon mean? because the statistics show in the U.S. over close to 30% of Americans, so individuals, have some level or some experience with being estranged or estranging from others. And that can include friends. And so that's like more than 65 million people in the U.S. that are dealing with estrangement on some level. And that may be ghosting. And but the statistics also show that I forget what the actual number is, but that most people in, in this um, segment and it's it's I think it's a, around 25 percent do not feel that they have a close, deep friendship or relationship, trusting relationship. So the and the the theory is it's the social media, the being online, COVID probably exacerbates the whole thing, but that we don't have that level of reliance, like the old friend that you had forever and ever, um, that that kind of experience. So people are feeling more isolated. Yeah. More alone. Yes. And relying on social media, posting on Facebook, Instagram, while it has its beauty. But people are separate. They're they're being they want to connect, but they're actually disconnecting. And that's why earlier when I talk about if you're feeling estranged, you have family issues at the time, you know, go out there, meet other volunteers, go do some things. If you're not doing the grief recovery method or some kind of recovery, and I think the grief recovery method, as you you had mentioned, and I have mentioned, it's evidence-based. And even if you're in estrangement, what do you think about this? You're in estrangement, especially with this couple, and they're doing their estate planning and wills, and they have someone, a daughter, son, or or sister, or brother, or whatever. How do you think doing the grief recovery helps you with your estate planning and wills? Well, it makes me recognize that we have to come up with some way to address this concern And I consider my clients, not just people who get documents, you know, we're trying to make their plan work, how how they want things to play out. 
and uh, they've never seen their grandchildren. You know, so it's it's really unfortunate. And we can have conversations that go beyond the mere filling in the form. All right, so we're skipping your daughter, and now we're you know going to go to your grandkids. You know that transactional kind of mindset and make it more personal. So aside from recommending that they do the grief recovery program, and they wouldn't be able to do it with me because it would be a conflict of professional interests in terms of they, they need that separation, that uh, a different role with a different specialist. But the idea is that we can take the time to get into the why behind the estate plan. It isn't just who gets my money. It's the values that you're passing on and, and the that communication we talk about in the grief recovery, you know, delivering that in a, in a sense via the, these documents. So for instance, with this one particular couple, we designed things so that they could write letters over time that would become part of their plan that describe how they've never lost their love of their daughter and the grandchildren they've never seen, because that may be all they see later if they've continued not to have any contact with the parents, grandparents, you see what I'm saying? Yes. So that that's, that's a form of a legacy that's not monetary, but mm-hmm. I think it's just as important to address. Yeah. And I bet when you do have grief recovery, whether you use grief recovery method or whatever forms of recovery that you use to me, my impression of it or my experience is like, you just walk more on solid ground in your decision-making. I've done my trust. I've done my will and there was some couple of strange things, but I did some work on it and I signed the paperwork. It's all signed, sealed, delivered. And I have no energy around it negatively. I made a solid decision in a way that I just let it go. And it is what it is. If I decide to change it later, maybe I'll change something, but I'm on solid ground about it. I'm not in grief about it. Like I shoulda, coulda, woulda. Well, and it's not that unfinished component. So I always think of it like the little blinking cursor in my brain when something, you know, it's called an open loop when we haven't taken care of a detail. Oh, it's perfect. Like we, we forget it. It's, it's still kind of like spinning around in our brain. So you've been able to close that loop and whatever arrangements you've made are something that will be communicated at the appropriate time. And so it's, for me, I see so many parallels with what the process we go through with grief recovery. That is great. Anything else on the horizon for you professionally? I love what you're doing. And what brings you joy in life, in your work, or just just in life in general? Someone who has used grief recovery personally and someone who uses it in her business. Like what makes you smile about like, wow, I'm, I'm onto something here and I'm making a contribution because... I just like going out there and finding new concepts, bringing them together, you know, synthesizing them and then turning around and sharing them. I mean, I'm a pots and lids needs and resources person. And so I love finding these new ideas and saying, oh, you know, this is such a cool thing. You need to really uh, check it out. And I do that with grief recovery, maybe not as, as flippantly as that, but it is, you know, a resource, but it can be right now I'm taking another program that un, totally unrelated from grief, but I just love it. And um, I'll bring that back and incorporate it in something else I'm doing. Just what are you it. doing? What is it? It's called positive intelligence. 
So I'm going to I'm going to share that those details with you separately when we get back together on uh, some of the other grief recovery stuff. Oh, that's great, great, great. And you've also introduced me to my next guest that I'm going to be recording next week is Ron Kaiser. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. Love him. And it's all on aging in an extraordinary way. Yes. What was his term? Rejuvenating. Rejuvenating. So our after Candace will be Ron Kaiser about rejuvenating and the grief that goes with us. I'm going to be 64 by the time you listen to this podcast in December. And my boyfriend just turned 70. I'm not sure how old you are. I'm not going to ask. But what goes on? Some of the grief that goes looking at a 30 year old. Oh, I'll never be 30 again. Well, but any change, because as they say in the in the book, it isn't it can be some of the happy things that occur in our life. But it means that we've said goodbye to something else. So that's the mixed feelings part that we have to be aware of. So it's we can get tripped up by all of those things. Yeah. And just know, hey, that's just living a mixed emotions. It doesn't have to be black or white. So my joy is just following my curiosity, putting those things together, just having fun. Well, that's beautiful. Now, how can someone reach you? Which we'll have in the notes. Any, we'll have the website on the Intentionality Gurus and Advisor Institute, your mini website on the Grief Recovery Method Institute website. Right. Anything else you'd like to share? Well, just that people can reach out to you because, you know, the, you're just going to be applying the grief recovery method like I would. So it's not like it ha- it's not going to be necessarily an estrangement that may not be the, the loss that somebody wants to um, work on. But we're all equipped to be able to handle the, the general process. Oh, yeah. I mean, we're here. We are ready for you. Exactly. And we're heart with ears. So thank you, Candace, for being on. When you're working on some new stuff, we'll get you back on here. And you have your own podcast. Or is it active? I or? have my own. I, yes, I have my own podcast. It's not as fancy as yours, but I was doing it just to find my own voice and the kinds of things I wanted to be able to talk about. And so it's called the Intentionality Gurus because it's all that stuff that drives a lot of our behaviors that we can pay attention to and and then make an intentional choice on which fork in the road we're going to take. Yeah. And sometimes you can't be an intention. You can be like, Hey, I'm going to get to this, take this other road. Something's not working in my life. Let me go into this road less traveled in my life. And then there is a fork. Yes, there is a fork. And I know me, my goal is to work in grief recovery, help people get on solid ground, fulfilled, resolved, complete. And then we can go on to your infinite possibilities exactly. and intentionality. Right. Yep. Yeah. People wonder, well, how come I can't get to that next step? Well, you're walking maybe through a filter. I know I was. Mm-hmm. And so we're always doing work on ourselves and exploring. I love the curiosity part. We're going to end on curiosity. Do ask five questions today about something you know nothing about just to practice. Just to, One just to, to practice. Yep. Yeah. And you may have some fun while you're at it, even in your grief. And so, Candace, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Okay, we'll see you next time. We're going to get you back in because I know new things are percolating in your life. And remember, our wonderful listeners, so grateful again for you. We are on all the podcast platforms. Also, we have a Grief Recovery Now private Facebook group. So please join us. We're also on Instagram. You can look under Instagram at Charlene Gorzella. And please share 
review and rate. That would be so appreciated. We are in a movement right now. We want to share the good news. So thank you. See you next time. Happy holidays. Thank you for joining our Grief Recovery Now journey. Like what you heard? It would be the biggest compliment to our mission if you would please subscribe, rate, and review Grief Recovery Now on Apple Podcasts. And we'll keep you posted on our next podcast. If you don't have Apple, we are also on Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and other podcast platforms. Also, please join our private Facebook group, Grief Recovery Now. And if you are in need of any personal attention, please contact me with the link on this podcast page, which is griefrecoverymethod.com forward slash GRMS forward slash Charlene dash Gorzella. It would be an honor to hear from you.